0: Hi everyone, welcome to Path to Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. I'm your host, Amon Kusro, and today, there's no Jonathan. I know, crazy. But, we're actually working on a new set of episodes, uh, almost like a mini-series, in which we're going to take a trip down memory lane and talk about all of the warbands, starting from Shadespire through Night Vault, and then eventually catching up to Beastgrave, and how... Um, We can play those warbands not only in this current meta, but understanding their fundamentals, what they're good at, um, what some of their weaknesses are, and how to play to their strengths. And uh, on each episode, we're going to have a guest. Um, You could call them like a master of the warband or someone who's had a lot of success with them, uh, not only personally and locally, but also perhaps even um, internationally or nationally as well. And so uh, because we're going in chronological order, uh, the first warband – ever released was garrick's reavers and uh i don't think it would have been uh any anyone else we could have probably got on here than the man who's won a grand clash with this warband themselves uh you know jimmy Molini. hey jimmy how are you doing hello how are you surviving the uh the world that was
1: uh we've we have so far um, pushed back the apocalypse at, at this point. We're, we're still surviving in our home, although uh, I'm not going to hold my breath. We'll see what happens at any date that could change. Right. Um, I'm waiting for uh, COVID patients to come storming my driveway looking for toilet paper.
0: <laughs> you know, I saw this meme the other day where there was this guy who was, uh, it said, paying my bills, and he was just putting toilet paper in envelopes and then putting them in the mail. Uh, it was <laughs> hilarious. Um, yeah yeah no
1: it's uh it, it's uh in all, in all seriousness though i mean uh thoughts for anyone that, that's um has anyone uh dealing with this uh with this crisis right now i know uh, my sister actually she um she contracted the virus uh, several mm-hmm. weeks back uh, she works at a high risk um area near hospital and uh she is thankfully recovered although um you know this this virus is no joke so um right. you know thinking about everybody that is dealing with that and hopefully this um this comes to pass at some point
0: absolutely and I'm very happy to hear that your sister is is now um, recovering that's really good to hear uh, and that's it's kind of why we're kind of doing the series is we want to uh, kinda of get away from you know the the news and and all these negative things that are happening and I mean obviously they're relevant and you can't escape from them for too long but we're hoping that over the course of the next 45 minutes you are able to uh, take a break uh, enjoy some awesome underworld's conversations and focusing on your favorite group of bloodthirsty, rowdy individuals. Um, And for reference, uh, this episode is recorded, or is being recorded, on April 9th, 2020. So, um, before we get into the Reavers, I kind of wanted to start with uh, asking you a couple questions uh, yourself, Jimmy. So, for those, I know you've been on the podcast before, but for those of you who have not necessarily heard Jimmy... Um, or you know um, on the podcast Uh, I just wanted to uh, ask you a couple questions just so that you can introduce yourself and kind of talk about your wargaming experience and how you got into Warhammer Underworlds. Sound good?
1: Sure go ahead.
0: Awesome so uh, first question uh, Jimmy how long have you been wargaming?
1: I guess I started wargaming um, when I was in high school. I took a break um, when I went to college and for some years afterwards and uh, got back into Wargaming a couple years ago. And I started out playing Warhammer 40k like uh, like most teenagers and had a lot mm-hmm. of fun with that. Um, and But uh, since then, I've also played uh, some Warhammer Fantasy, some uh, Lord of the Rings, which is now called the uh, Middle-Earth Strategy Battle Game, I believe. Mm-hmm. I've played uh, um, some Infinity in the past, uh, Malifaux competitively, and, uh, and yeah, I've kind of arrived at uh, Underworlds. And I started playing... Believe a year and a half ago. Okay. Oh, Warhammer Underworlds. Correct, Warhammer yeah. Underworlds. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. That was my next
0: question. Um, uh, I wanted to circle back to 40k. What, uh, what was your first, uh, army?
1: Black Templars. Yeah. Nice.
0: You know what? That doesn't surprise me.
1: Um, that's right. All thanks. aggro, all day, baby.
0: There we go. And um, speaking of the Middle Earth strategy battle game, that's something that we've been chatting about recently. And I've just committed, um much to my chagrin, or at least my bank account chagrin, um, to a heavy Rohan force. So got a whole bunch of Rohan models, uh, finally built them and and got them on the spruce. So I I think you
1: play Rohan as well, right? Yeah, I have. uh, (laughs) um, If I have to look into my closet here in my game room, I probably have just about everything. So uh, embarrassingly enough, although it's it's a wonderful game. I wish uh, more people locally to me uh, played it uh wish i had my I had more time to play it uh, it's um before underworlds it was my uh, favorite games workshop game very well balanced um very thematic it's a lot of fun
0: yeah yeah i'm looking forward to messing around with it um so you said before warhammer underworlds it was your favorite game so jumping back to warhammer underworlds what do you enjoy most about warhammer or underworlds
1: sure yeah um it's a couple things. I think it, uh, um, first of all, uh, I love the best of three format in tournaments. Uh, I think, you know, one of I've said this on other, um, I guess, a, a podcasts or videos before, but uh, one thing I dislike in games is um, in any a complex game, there's going to be a lot that uh, players should know. And a lot that, you know, players uh, perhaps may uh, not know a lot about or mechanics that they, they may be unfamiliar with. Um, and I, I, I dislike a game that really stresses you build kind of uh, opaque, um, very difficult to understand combinations and execute those combinations on your opponent in kind of like a gotcha way just to mm-hmm. surprise them. And and you can win games that way, and that's that that's fine. I kind of dislike that. So with the best of three, I like how you can basically see all the tricks in the opposing deck um, and then uh, create kind of like a new meta in that single match where you're then adjusting your gameplay, which cards you play, which cards you don't play, you know uh, how your warband interacts with your opponent based on the information you have off the first game. I think that's um, that's a lot of fun. I think it keeps it very engaging, and uh, and also I think it's it's just more um, uh, more appetizing for both parties so that you you're, you avoid those situations where someone just gets caught out and and the game's over.
0: Right. So I guess. Um, your favorite part about the game is is the ability to adapt on the fly, if you will. Um, take a look at your, uh, like, no secrets between you and your opponent for the most part, and then just seeing who can make the best decisions and kind of duking it out uh, in your own private meta. Is that correct?
1: Uh, that's a big part of it, yeah. I'm, I'm just a big advocate, like I'm sure many of us are, of, of player agency in games, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most important thing about any game is that, your decisions you make, uh, good or bad, uh, are the ones that, dis- that determine the outcome. So right. uh, I think um, uh, Underworld certainly has a lot of uh, elements that make it uh, appealing for uh, a player like that that wants to have a game that's uh, skill-based with, of course, a bit of randomness involved, but uh, skill-based so that the um, players with a lot of skill typically uh, do well and win games.
0: Right, right. And, and, and some of those skills actually start even before the game begins, right? Like building your deck. Uh, picking your warband and the synergy between that right
1: that yeah, totally yeah, there are all those factors and and you know one of the nice things about this game is you know skill can be built through practice right it's not something you just you walk in and, and automatically have in this game i think you have to play a lot of games and play against good players and, and test yourself and i think that competitive aspect is something that's uh, appealing to to a lot of us
0: yeah absolutely i mean it's one of my favorite parts of the game so um i'm right there with you um So moving on, um, so I I mentioned, you know, you are a Grand Clash winner. Um, uh, You won Gen Con last year. Um, What are, aside from that, or I mean, you can talk about that as well. What are some special achievements that you're currently proud of in Warhammer Wonderworlds?
1: Yeah, I think, um, uh, yeah, that was my uh, first uh, Grand Clash and the first time I had an opportunity to to play you. Actually, that's when we met, I believe, which was um, a lot of fun and a a great event. Um, After that, I attended uh, Nova, which is a uh, Grand Clash in uh, well, it's a confer- a convention in the United States for wargaming, and there's a Grand Clash for Warhammer Underworlds at, at Nova. Uh, participated that last year and placed uh, fourth uh, with Curse Breakers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I attended the uh, Grand Clash at Warhammer World in Nottingham in January uh, nice. across the pond in the UK, which was a ton of fun. Uh, I think there were a hundred and... Forty players at that event, and uh, I placed thirty uh, fourth with Magors Fiends. Uh, it was uh, it was a ton of fun. Probably should have brought something other than Magors Fiends, but I had a blast, and it was a great meeting all the folks over there. And there are a lot of great players. And one of my favorite parts about that event is how uh, not just brings together a bunch of great players from the UK, um, but uh, players all over Europe. So there are great contingents from Italy, from the Czech Republic, from Germany, and that that was that was so cool to see especially in that environment at a warhammer world and i highly encourage anyone uh once all this is over and we can actually travel for um uh for grand clashes to attend that event um and uh, uh oh I, and there is a bugman's uh, skirmish at that that weekend as well and i took uh sepulchral guard there and i finished uh 15th and that was a lot of fun and um and yeah since then i've just been toiling away, trying to um, uh, find fun combinations to play while there are no tournaments uh, or no in-person tournaments that are being played.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to circle back to some of the things you mentioned. Um, so Gen Con, um, you actually also won, not only did you win the event, but you won Best Painted as well, right?
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I think I did.
0: Yeah, so uh, first Grand Clash and you take away two trophies,
1: man. That's pretty cool. Amon, you're making me blush. That's very <laughs> kind of you.
0: No, no, I'm just, uh, I'm just kind of setting the stage, you know, for, um, uh, for some of the guys who are may not necessarily be familiar with your work here, and, um, I think, um, in in uh, Nottingham, you were the highest placing Shadespire Warband player as well, correct?
1: True, uh, among the uh, brave few who took Shadespire Warbands into that bust off of meta with uh, Grimwatch and Thorns everywhere. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you loving those Corn Warbands, huh?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one thing that I like doing is taking something different each time to a big event. Um, so, uh, you know, taking Reavers, then Curse Breakers and, uh, Sepulchre Guard, that Skirmish and, and McGorse Fiends and kind of dabbling with, uh, with Gits right now. So I just like playing stuff that's a little bit different. Um, trying to make it work and, uh, you know, finding creative ways to, to, to build and, and, play with, uh, with war bands.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so I guess speaking of, of creative creativity, uh, are you working on anything game or hobby wise right now?
1: Yeah, I am. Um, I guess from not hobby wise, I, I probably should be spending a lot more time doing that right now, but I'm not, I'm kind of, I've being killed by conference calls every day. Like most of us are, I'm sure, or, or many of yeah. us are, um, with work, but, um, I, I, uh, I'm trying to make a, a, a GITs list work right now that I'm having a lot of fun with more on the aggro side. And uh, I think I'm having a good time with that. Um, and I have a idea for um, to, to build proxies for them if I you know like this idea and want to play it more. So
0: Yeah, that'll be really cool. Um, I love proxy warbands, so I can't wait to see what you come up with.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh,
0: so my last question, um, and probably uh, not much of a surprise, I think in, in what your answer will be. but what do you like about playing Garricks Weavers uh, in particular?
1: So I guess um, I've played them from time to time since since Gen Con. Um, it's they'll always have a um, you know a bit of a soft spot uh, given that um, I started playing them very early and when I started playing Shadespire and uh, kind of the end of uh, the Shadespire season. And, uh, and yeah, I just think they're they're a fun warband. Uh, they, I think whenever, really one of the things I like about Reavers is whenever you play against someone who's playing Reavers, like the game's almost always fun. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a nice thing about them in general is that no matter what happens, the game's probably gonna be fun. Uh, I think there are a variety of ways to play them. I think in general, of course, they're aggro, but I think there's a lot of nuance to that. And that's what I found uh, rewarding um, in playing them so far.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, they, um, they were actually the first warband I played as well. Um, I didn't stick with them for very long, though, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think they're a lot of fun. So um, with all that, let's jump into the warband itself. So I guess in your own words, could you give a brief description of each fighter and their role in this warband? Now, there are a total of five fighters, um, all very lightly armored, bloodthirsty, cannibalistic, warriors of corn. Um, so, how would you describe each individual fighter uh, in terms of the game?
1: Yep. So, I think it, one thing that that all of the these fighters have in common, uh, they're um, all uh, fast and all very lightly armored. <laughs> so, I think that's something important to keep in mind when you're thinking about how to play them. Uh, they're it's a very much a a glass cannon uh, type warband where they can hit hard, um, but they. Um, well, I guess for other warbands, you say they don't like getting hit back, but this, we'll get into this later, but they do like getting hit back because, mm-hmm. uh, they kind of don't care who dies, even if, uh, uh, even if the Reavers die themselves. So because they Because a... cares not from where the blood flows, right? That's right. Corn cares not, baby. Um, so I'll start with the leader, uh, Garrick Gorebeard, uh, pretty, uh, standard leader in four wounds. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, four move and one dodge uninspired. Is a two-hammer, um, two damage attack, and then when he inspires, he goes uh, to um, uh, move five with three damage on that on that attack. So uh, with Garrick, I think one of the thing, one of the ways I like to play him, I, to quick, take a quick step back, there are kind of uh, two philosophies, I guess, with playing Reavers, uh, and it's due um, uh, to really how they inspire um i'll talk about the rest of the fighters in a little bit but you have five of them two of them are, are pretty weak and their inspire mechanic is um they all inspire at the same time if at least three fighters are out of action so some uh, folks play reavers with the two little guys up front who are two wounds and then when that they'll charge them in and basically get them killed so that you can get closer to inspiring your other fighters your other three fighters were garrick and Cursus, who are already pretty good but obviously get a little better when they inspire
0: right
1: uh, i prefer to play it a bit of a different way i prefer to put um my bigger fighters up front uh closer to the the opponent um and keep my uh, two wound fighters back um so that this goes into garrick so he's usually the guy i place in the um uh, furthest front uh, starting hex whenever i play reavers uh, because of his four wounds and because i prefer basically utilizing the good starting stats of the three good fighters, uh, mm-hmm. Garrick, uh, Sake, and Karsis early. And then eventually at some point, either through their deaths or deaths of my opponent's models, uh, the warband will inspire and Arnulf and Targor, the two, um, two wound fighters get considerably better when they inspire. Actually, I think they improve significantly more than Garrick and Sake and Karsis on inspiration. Right. So, um, so yeah, so that's a, a bit of a tangent, but kind of describes how I, how I play with Garrick. Um, so he's, as I mentioned, having four, wounds is nice. It prevents him from being one shot by most fighters very early in the game. Uh, and I just don't like, um, well, I do want most of these guys to die at some point, uh, very early in the game. It's very mm-hmm. convenient if you lose low slots, your model. So, right. um, so yeah, you know, that's, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so that's Garrick, uh, the, i guess the um second most important fighter at least early for this warband is blooded sake mm-hmm. he um also four move one dodge he has three wounds uh two hammer three damage attack at range one and it inspires yeah. to have cleave on that attack mm-hmm. um so uh sake is uh he's a uh, um he's a great fighter um a lot of people have affection for him that's totally warranted um it is rare in this game, as, as all of us know, to have a fighter that starts with four move and three damage, on especially on a two-hammer attack, which is pretty accurate. So he is a great threat to um, basically um, uh, have in near near the front lines uh, to kind of uh, keep um, some of your important your opponent's important pieces uh, further away to start the game. I think um, uh, there are many times' I've, uh, I've kind of missiled him in on a mission just to kill a forward fighter with pit trap or in the past with trap and things like that. He's been very effective at doing that. Um, and uh, uh, I think he's just he's a great model and there's there, because of that three damage, uh, he can um, he can really draw a lot of attention, which is also great. So uh, sake is uh, of course a favorite. Um, then moving on to Carsis. Karsis, man, there's a a lot in this card, especially for season one, uh, season one model. Um,
0: they just keep getting bigger and bigger.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, <laughs> the text exactly. On the
0: weapons and the abilities. Uh, I,
1: I know, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the text. I'm like, you know, Arnold's card or Targor's, and I mean, you know, I mean, first grader could read it, but <laughs> yeah. you go to, you go to some of the models now, and it's it looks like, like like you're reading a novel. Um, so uh, yeah, Karsis, four move, one dodge, three wounds, just like Sake. He has a range two. Uh, attack action his chained axe on three swords and one damage so special note for karces uh this is the the og the original gangster for uh an aggro model with attack action of morton range one he's the first one in the game uh that allows you a ton of flexibility uh, he is, uh, I, I think uh, we'll go into this a little bit later, but he is almost always the MVP in my games because of that range to attack action and how you can buff that and um, beyond just one damage once he inspires and giving him upgrades. So um, he's a great fighter. Uh, he's he is my favorite and um, inspires to have that um, have two damage on that chained axe uh, action. And uh, and one other note too, um, the second attack action that he has. Um, is is the Brutal Chop, which Uninspired is three swords for two damage range one. That's useful. Right. Um, that's uh, Sometimes you can kill a two-win model early with that. That's great. Mm-hmm. But that inspires to Savage Whirl, which is um, uh, a two-sword, two-damage uh, scything attack, essentially, using the new terminology. And with uh, buffs to dice and and damage, that can be pretty dangerous in Horde Warband. So that's a, a great tool from the to half. So Karsus is so flexible. So many options with that guy um almost always the mvp in games where i play reavers uh, and then um we can kind of lump the other two um uh chumps in in the in the same category so arnulf and Targor, uh they both start out two wounds they're i'm not even going to mention their starting attacks they're terrible um <laughs> they uh they have the same stats as uh, same uh, move stats and defense stats as the other guys but when they inspire Uh, their attacks are actually uh, somewhat respectable, especially for 2 wound models or the fourth and fifth model of a warband. So Mm. uh, Arnolf has a three-sword, one-damage attack with a special um, uh, ability where on crits, he deals one extra damage. Uh, Of note, um, this extra ability applies to any attack he makes. So um, I remember uh, making an attack with him. He had Hero Slayer. I think I played Haymaker. Uh, I may have had potion of rage on him, uh, and he, and he crit the attack, and I think he also had like glory Seeker. I, I forget who was uh, who I was trying to hit. It was in a crazy um, three-person game between myself, Matt Martin, and uh, and Jason Murray, uh, and then uh, Arnold proceeded to have like two crits in the attack roll for something like six or seven damage, only to be rebounded. Uh, oh no! <laughs> which which was beautiful. It was it was so. Uh, I think I was playing. I think um, both Martine and Murray were playing Godsworn. So it was it was they amazing were. game. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And uh, I forget, I think it was Grundon that um, I was trying to attack, and for it to rebound back was perfect. But oh, but anyways, but that possibility exists uh, with the fact that he has a universal ability to add uh, one damage on a crit, which is cool, right. especially if you have um, uh, different weapons you can put on them. And Targor, his um, uh, inspired attack is uh, three three swords for two damage, which I mean, really, just with one upgrade like great strength or sting of the ear grub is, is is pretty scary, uh, for, especially for a guy who is, you know, the fourth or fifth model of a warband. It's only two wounds, so uh, I like saving those guys for the second wave. Uh, once ever once the warband inspires, and they're they're always very effective at it, especially with their speed um, being inspiring. All these guys inspiring to move five uh, is very useful, especially late game when models are spaced further apart. You can generally get where you want.
0: Right. So um, essentially, what I'm getting is that like your you have the strategy where you kind of put the guys who are who start off pretty good in the front. Garrick is like your bruiser, whereas like Karsis and and Sake are like your surgical strike guys. And then once they either take things down or get taken down themselves, um, Arnulf and Targar, who have hopefully been powered up and maybe given upgrades at this point, kind of come in and, and clean shop.
1: Clean up crew. Yep. Exactly. So uh, I think it's. Uh, and of course there are other ways to play it i mean if you put arnulf and Targur up up uh, up front and have them die early um you know that can be fine too i just don't think personally that garrick and sake in particular inspired i mean i don't know if the differences between them being inspired and arnulf and Targor being inspired um weren't that i think they just don't garrick and sake don't gain enough really right um uh, although there are probably situations where you really need cleave, in which case and cleave is nice, but I'd prefer um, having Arnold and Targor inspire. I think that's a greater um, uh, um, a, great, uh, a, a, a greater increase in their viability uh, upon inspiration and with the first two.
0: I think that makes sense. Okay, cool. Well, um, so now that we've got the fighters down and and kind of their role in the warband, right? According to you, um, and and you kind of answered the second question already. Uh, which, who's your favorite? And so, Karsus. You know, kind of just, like, throwing his axe around and, and just taking heads, right? And, um, I guess, aside from his ranged attack, um, is there anything you like about the model, or is it just, is it mostly his, like, flexibility as a fighter?
1: Yeah, it's definitely his flexibility. I mean, all these models are, are great. I've always been very impressed with the Underworld's range. I think mm-hmm. uh, their models are easy to build, but also a, a ton of fun to paint. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it really is his flexibility in games. Having... Uh, arrange two attack action, arrange one attack action to start, and also then having a side thing attack, attack action upon inspiration, on a fighter that can you know move five, and I mean, that's just that that's really really fun, and um, he can um, he can really do a lot of damage with just an upgrade or two. Um, so uh, currently in the meta for them, and um, you will probably go into this later as far as kind of what are good current builds for them. I think a good Current build for them right now probably includes keep chopping because there aren't that many good end phase scorecards for for aggro, mm-hmm. and and he is really the reason why they can take that and and score it without having to, you know put a lot of upgrades on because I think uh, having a range two just adds a ton to his flexibility and um I think with uh, with everyone else being a range one it makes it a little more difficult to score keep chopping especially once you start losing a few fighters.
0: Right, right, that makes sense. Okay. Um, so, I guess moving into uh, kind of the Warband's abilities, uh, what do you think are the Warband's strengths?
1: Yeah, so ranged aggro, um, nice faction objectives, and ploys which synergize very well, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that. Um, sake having a uh, three damage attack on four move uh, turn one is, is great and a nice differentiator, although, and this is a common theme, I mean, <laughs> um, that used to be pretty novel, but then of course um, Drachnar came by, and now he mm-hmm. has he has a, a two-hammer, three-damage attack, but with a reroll turn one. Right. So uh, it's a kind of a common theme for all season one warbands, where um, season two and season three warbands war have some of these features just to do it better. <laughs> right. But, um, uh, but yeah, I think those are those are the primary things. Uh, I think it, it's been impressive to me how their faction cards, particularly some of their faction objectives, have really Uh, stood the test of time after you know almost three seasons now i think a lot of these cards are still pretty good
0: okay okay yeah and and it's interesting you mentioned the um uh draknars with the ravagers
1: um the the spoilers yeah spoilers spoilers, yeah yeah.
0: um they they're almost kind of like a a spiritual successor of the warband in a way um but i still think the reavers kind of you know get the edge on them one-on-one what do you think
1: um, it's a good question. Uh, I've, um, I'll admit I've, I think I've only played that matchup, uh, once or twice. Um, I think as with any aggro, I mean, it kind of depends on if the dice are landing for the reverse. The nice thing about the despoilers is that due to having the spoilers and temporary victory in that deck. And because that also means it'll take stuff like great gains and being able to take shortcut, they have a ton of passive glory. So right. if, this, if, if you miss just a couple of attacks with, Um, with the Reavers, it's it's probably very very tough on you. While if they miss attacks, they probably don't care as much. And uh, I think you'll score corn Cares not as Reavers, but they also have um, a very similar card for their Warband uh, to score two glory off of that. So uh, I I think they're just in so many ways better and and better designed just with their faction cards and and, and their abilities. But but yeah, I mean, I, I think... From an aggro perspective, I, I agree that Reavers are a bit stronger, and if those attacks are landing, I mean, yeah, I think they can uh, they can do some damage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you
0: mentioned um, that you know if kind of if Reavers kind of miss their attacks, it's a little bit more detrimental to their game plan, and that's a great segue into the weaknesses of the Warband. Um, now, inherently, you know, every Warband can be good at everything. So in this particular case, what are some of the things the Reavers aren't so good at?
1: in general with them, one of their weaknesses is that they're very fragile and they're all in one dodge and they, none of them inspired a two dodge. This was actually, I think, far before anyone uh, had two dodge in the game. I think Riptooth was the first one who had it and I was very late in season one. Right. Uh, so, they're, so they're all one dodge. Um, a lot of the fighters are just two to three wounds. Uh, so they're very fragile. Um, so I think that's um, that's something that, um, uh, especially with um, the number of, of good Um, good aggro models that have high movement or or ranged attacks can take advantage of so it can, if another warband like, you know, say Profiteers or um, uh, Wild Hunt or um, just a a bunch of them out there, if they get on a roll, they can pick apart this warband pretty easily
0: Okay, so um, really I guess lightly armored can't really take too many hits, but like dishing them out
1: That's correct
0: Okie dokie. So, you know, you've kind of touched on some of the strategies or play styles that um, you kind of like executing with the Reavers. Um, What are some of those aforementioned strategies or play styles that you find this Warband naturally is good at? Um, You also mentioned that there potentially are alternate ways to play them. So two-part question, um, you know, again, what are they naturally good at and uh, what are some... I guess out of the box ways that you could potentially play the Reavers as well?
1: Yeah, very good question. Uh, I think it's just kind of a governing principle that um, I know um, many players like, like you and others uh, think about when you think of building a Warband in the deck around the Warband. I think you look at what the Warband does well, uh, either good stats they have or good faction cards they have, and try to build universals, obviously, around that combination that can that can complement it. So strategies with Reavers will often be dependent upon, you know, I mean, it goes without saying, but the universals that are available to them. I... Um, Personally, believe in this just the way I've I've played them in the past, I found having the most success with them. If there are any universals in the game, particularly universal object universal objectives that give you benefits or allow you to score when models uh, uh, any model, but it could be yours, could be the opponent, uh, are removed from the from the board, that's good for them. Uh, Pure Carnage was a amazing uh, third end phase objective for them. Uh, it synergizes very well with one, their Inspire condition, and two, a lot of their fashion-specific objectives, uh, and and their just general agro playstyle. So, um, you know, I think it's important just to look at the universals that are available in the in the field in the current season, and and try to use them to to complement what the Reavers can do well, and and uh, to synergize with the fashion cards that are that they have. Um, you know, as I mentioned before, I mean, they really were kind of the, in my opinion, the war of choice for anyone who wanted very fast surgical aggro. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, I think with the arrival of some of the newer war bands, they're just, they, there's frankly not quite as, as good anymore at that. Right. I think they're war bands, so they're better. Um, but I think, uh, any strategy that, um, any aggro strategy, that is, is built around all models being dead is great for them. Uh, so they, they have some great uh, uh, fashion cards for that. Um, anything built around fast uh, range one aggro is great as well. Uh, so I think um, they can they can still do a reasonable job with that is that too.
0: Right. And so if someone, you know, you've mentioned uh, a couple times that um, th- at moments and times the Reavers do feel a little dated in the fact that Sometimes they aren't able to keep up with some of the newer warbands. But if someone is a diehard Reavers player, um, or, or just wants to play the warband, maybe win a local event with them, get their shade glass trophy, or, or just um, master a new warband, uh, or, or even change of pace. What are some things that you think that the Reavers are particularly better at um, than
1: other warbands, if anything at all? Yeah, good question. I think it, yeah, I think it, you have to look at the meta. Um, so uh if the meta is um objective heavy uh, so i think a few months ago the meta was was very objective heavy before mm-hmm. mantrapper came out i think uh a lot of people were taking temporary victory things like that uh, in that setting your opponent's almost your p- opponent very often is going to take three objectives allowing you to mm-hmm. deploy deploy the board wide um in that setting i think uh i think you just stack up all the accuracy and damage cards you can and try to hit as hard as you can early with you know three or four charges early on and try to one stop your opponent from uh, scoring those objective cards um, but also to get you know get glory yourself get to your inspire condition and, uh, and yeah i think they hit hard enough early um to be able to do that effectively now you know lasting into turn two and three or phase two and three especially against some resilient warbands like thorns and Grimwatch, um can be a challenge but but yeah and that if the if a objective play is dominating your meta i think you just you know build a, a build more a, a, as much for for aggro and accuracy and damage as possible and just uh, charge and attack as much as you can if the meta is more aggro I think you play it a little differently. I think it's more of a denial build because of their range
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, with their with their range all, all starting at range 4 and aspiring to range 5 and of course there being cards like Spectral Wings and, and tracking available. I think in that setting you play a little bit back, um, perhaps score some passive glory like a uh, uh, cover ground and calculated risk um, uh, early in a phase and just prevent your opponent from engaging with you and controlling that distance. Then at the end of the phase uh, charging in and trying to uh, land a, a very critical attack using you know multiple ploys and, and upgrades to try to get a kill so i think at that point it's against aggro it's controlling the distance and playing a little more more denial
0: okay yeah i think i think that uh that are things that they're good at and that makes a lot of sense i remember when we played uh at gen con i think on one of our previous episodes you mentioned that uh what reavers the way the reason they appealed to you at that particular moment were because you noticed that a lot of uh, that meta at the time, a lot of the warbands needed like the first turn to kind of power up, if you will. And because you, know, you just alluded to this uh, just recently as well, is that um, because the Reavers are able to hit you uh, pretty decently, uh, pretty early and pretty pretty hard, um, you were able to deny that, I guess, power up turn, if you will.
1: Um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a good point. And that probably applies to... Um, uh, at that time, I think there were some builds like Tomes Mologue and uh, passive, like really passive Curse Breakers that were popular in the meta. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, in that setting against so those, I guess, more controlled decks, uh, I totally agree that um, Reavers uh, can do well because they have great range. Uh, they do hit hard enough to, to damage and kill models turn one. So yeah, I guess that's um, control is not as popular um in uh, right now in the meta, so i kind of just uh just forgot about it but you're totally right i think against a more of a controlled build uh, that's definitely the way you play them i think you just try to line up pretty aggressively and and get in there as quickly as possible to disrupt that you know um one of the most important models that uh your opponent's relying on for that control build and and yeah just uh go from there
0: yeah i think uh throwing a three damage like turn one or, or not even turn one but maybe the first round is a it's pretty scary. I, I know that when I play against Reavers, I prioritize Sake uh, very heavily, um, and he's he's actually a distraction as well, right? He works pretty well in that regard too.
1: Uh, agreed. And um, and a quick follow up to that control uh build. So so you're right. You know, three damage is great turn one, but very often uh, builds that will um, build towards control have four wound models or, mm-hmm. or more than that. So early on, um. So not really. When I draw my opening hand into a control build, uh, and I'm playing Reavers, I'll mulligan pretty aggressively to make sure I have that extra damage, do four damage with stake early. Uh, so if I don't have any of those cards um, in my first hand, I don't care how good my my power hand is, I'll, I'll mulligan and and try to see if I can get one of them. And then right. probably then first two or three activations draw power cards to, until I have what I need.
0: Right, right. You want that Alpha Strike? That's right okay so you've mentioned a couple times that some of the reavers or one of the reaver strengths is that they have some really good faction cards that have standard the test of time if you will um, according to you what are the top five faction specific cards this can be objectives gambits and upgrades
1: yep so i think i'll separate them into kind of two tiers i think there's the the auto take tier which is i mean no matter what you're playing with reavers you're going to take these cards and then uh, I think there's a tier below that where they have a lot of good cards, but cards that are maybe a little more situational that you might not take in every deck. Uh, I have three cards that I would always take with Reavers, and that's uh, In Order, Corn Cares Not, Blood Offering, and It Begins. Mm-hmm. So Corn Cares Not is an end phase card. If uh, five more any more uh, fighters, excuse me, are out of action, uh, you get two glory. This, again, just synergizes so well with what they want to do. Uh, they're an aggro warband. They're also very squishy. So they're going to die. They want the opponent's models to die. Um, I think this is something that uh, you're going to score and not have to commit actions or activations to that you aren't already doing um, with your basic strategy, which is, I think, the really the goal of, of any objective deck. Is to be able to score those objectives pretty seamlessly, doing what that warband is is designed to do um, on the boards. So, Corn uh, Cares Not is just uh, such a great card, um, and and has really stood the test of time and is still kind of an auto take in, in any deck in my opinion for Reavers. Next is uh, one of their faction ploys or gambits, a Blood Offering. Uh, you do a damage to yourself and get plus two dice to the next attack action. Um, it the one drawback is you do have to specify which uh, which fighter takes the damage and which fighters can get the bonus. So that is, uh, could be counterable. Um, you have to be careful. Let's say if you're, um, I'm not sure how many folks are taking transfixing stare, but when that was very popular, I would always be very mindful of, um, of, um, using blood offering on a model that was within two of an enemy models so that could put, put transfixing stare on them and right. prevent a charge. Um, but it's such a good accuracy card and two dice, accuracy um accuracy cards are, are so rare i mean right now it's the one that's pretty ubiquitous is haymaker that's a pretty bad downside of you can't roll defense dice um and i think there's um there are others but they're very situational uh so i think one is um i forget what it's called but you have to be standing the opponent has to be standing on an objective and uh there's another one i think um uh maybe a, a faction card where if like a fighter dies you get plus two dice to the next attack action but um uh, but anyways but blood offering it's it's, uh, it can be used for just about anything. It's plus two dice, is a big deal, mm-hmm. uh, and just a great accuracy card for them. And then right. it, it begins. So it's kind of, excuse me, it's, um, it's like corn care is not light, I guess. So, uh, yeah, it's it only is. one glory. Stacks so well with Corn Care's not, and uh, you can score it very early, which is great. Uh, so you can score it, you know, turn one potentially. All that's required is that at the end of a phase, uh, one fighter from each warband is out of action. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just again, just kind of stacks with what they're going to be doing anyways, being uh, a very fragile um, agro warband. And so after those three, I think a lot of they have a lot of good cards, but some of them may be situational. Um, yeah, so there there are a bunch of cards I think are good, um, but that are that could be situational. Uh, the top of the heap is Insensate. Um, that's a just a great card. Um, for a lot of warbands have it. I think uh, Magoras has it, in Demonic Resilience, and um, uh, Thundrix has it as well. Where in the next activation, your fighter can only take one damage. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little, I mean, um, less powerful in Reavers because so many of the guys have just two or three wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's far better in a tankier warband. I think when someone really wants to stack up a, a lot of damage for a big attack, and you can deny it with this ploy. Uh, but it's still a very good card. Uh, I didn't play it in that Gen Con deck. I kind of wanted a lot of my models to die, and my my power deck was pretty lean, so uh, I didn't play it. Cause I, um, just for the kind of the overall strategy of the warband. But um, it is a very good card, and I certainly and right now I'd probably take it. Um, Just to make sure someone like Sake or Garrick stays alive after an important attack to continue doing some damage Um, Then you have a bunch of other good cards Uh, blood for the blood god draw the gates of corn frenzy let the blood flow uh, Fuel by slaughter Uh, good cards in certain builds Um, You can probably take them in any deck, um, but I think certain cards such as let the blood flow um, which is uh, Surge. Uh, I think it's become more popular these days um, just because aggro is looking for really anything it can get at this point uh, into some of these um, temporary victory objective decks. But it's a, a Surge for two glory that you score after a third successful attack action in a phase Without without stuff like My Turn, without stuff like Ready for Action, um i mean it was it was risky previously in Nightfall when this court when you had those cards mm-hmm. uh right now it's just it's a really big gamble in my opinion uh if you probably have to build around that card and even if you do i kind of i mean do you take jealous defense i mean you got you got to find ways to get extra attacks in um at a certain point playing reavers you're probably only going to have two three fighters it makes that score net even harder so um it's just a risky card uh it if people have a higher risk tolerance, it's great. You can take it. I personally wouldn't, but um, but it can be good in certain situations. And if there's ever a scenario where um, uh, perhaps there are universals that provide extra attacks, um, you know, it'll, it'll probably be much better. And if you take Let the Blood Flow, you're definitely taking Fueled by Slaughter, which gives you the extra attack um, after, uh, after a fighter dies. Although I've um, on that card in particular, I've, I've played with it many times. And since they're all range one, it's kind of difficult unless Carcass is well positioned to find a fighter that um, they can make an attack. Sometimes, because uh, obviously if you're charging in with a range one attack, your goal is to kill the enemy fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if you've missed, sure that fighter's still there. You can launch that attack, but um, it can be sometimes be difficult to get that positioning in because again most of them are range one. Um, but yeah, I mean um, just a lot of other solid cards. Um, I, I would again stress that. Stuff like Blood for the Blood God and Draw the of Corn. Those are nice surges that used to be really good where you know, you'd score them automatically, charging three times, um, eliminating two enemy fighters. These are, you know, it, in Season 1 definitely were great. Season 2 a little less so. Um, season 3, I mean, some of the surges that are coming out for, again, like Wild Hunt, I mean, they're so easy that um, kind of <laughs> makes these cards look bad. But in, uh, since they can't, uh, they can't take those cards, um, these cards will have to suffice.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, And speaking of cards that have to suffice, I guess my next question is, what kind of universal objective cards um, is this Warband looking for? It doesn't necessarily have to be specific, but what are some cards that kind of help accentuate the game plan? You've mentioned accuracy, damage, um, and then just rewarding fighters for being um, removed from the battlefield. Um, What are some universals... uh, you know, maybe you can give some examples in Grave, but just in general, uh, that would align very well with these intended strategies.
1: Yeah, I think um, in, in Beastgrave, I think there's not a lot that aligns aligns with Corn Care's not, and it begins sadly. But I think there are objectives that'll align with the fact that they're all very fast and, and fast aggro. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, obviously I'll usually take stuff like Spectra wings, probably take tracking in most decks too, um, just so I can take gather momentum and cover ground right. and feel comfortable being able to score those at any time. Um, those are, you know, great aggro cards recovering a lot, you know, covering a lot of distance and making an attack usually. And, uh, and, and that fits very well with what they can do and what they want to do. Um, I think, uh, now that Fired Up is not restricted anymore, I think uh, Fired Up is is it's a it's risky turn one. You may not be able to get a turn one, but I think you certainly are going to have it turn two and three. So it's it's probably a pretty safe card for them. Uh, you know, calculated risk since you can place a Lethal Hacks and charge through it. Um, mm-hmm. That that's a very synergistic card for them now. Uh, and I think um, uh, you know keep shopping as I mentioned. It's it's a little bit greedy. I think they probably need it because. Two glory end phase scores are are difficult to come by for aggro. Right. Um. You'll though there will be games when you will not score that, but either because you don't have enough fighters left, or it's just tough to position given the fact that most guys are range one. Um. But um. And that's as I mentioned before, where cards is so key. But um. Those are just those are good aggro cards in general that that synergize pretty well. Last one is a branching fate. Uh, a lot of these guys are attacking on three dice. You have a fighter that starts out attacking with three dice uh, in Karsis. Uh, so I think that's um, that's a pretty good one since you've been launching a lot of attacks with them.
0: Right. So it kind of sounds like you're looking for cards that um, will naturally help you score passive glory just for doing things you want to do. Um, because I guess um, you'll need that glory to stack those upgrades, um, maybe... Uh, get your fighters that level of lethality you need to take down like a four wound fighter or someone maybe like even hathcorn for example
1: correct yep any any good deck any um good strategy with a war band is probably going to revolve around uh having certain things that you want to do such as either attack or charge or on objectives and find ways to score your objective deck by doing those things so yeah that's uh um, that's, that's what you should really look at with Reavers, not dissimilar from any other warband. And, and there, there's still a few good cards in, in Grave that, uh, that synergize pretty well with that. Although that, uh, um, honestly, the, those cards, I just mentioned, probably synergize with a lot of war warbands.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. Um, what about gambits? What are some gambits that you, um, have found that work well with Reavers? Um, and, and what kind of gambits are those? Uh, you know, you've mentioned, strength inducing and accuracy is, is is that kind of the the limit or is there more synergistic cards there
1: yeah yeah i think um in general there are a lot of just aggro cards you'll take with them right now i think there are a lot of very small flavors and i kind of alluded to them before of of, of ways to, to to play these guys um i think there there are ways you can perhaps lean into an attack build and try to score let the blood flow um as i mentioned you're probably taking fueled by slaughter and maybe even jealous defense in that case. Um, there's, there's a ping aggro build. You can probably build with them um, that um, just, again, you're just trying to do as much damage as possible to all enemy fighters. Uh, and that synergizes well with them being able to inspire and, and being able to kill models. Uh, there is, it's a little more niche. There's a, probably a to the end build that you could, um, you could have with these guys, which to the end is that uh, two glory and face card that recently came out. Uh, when all your power deck, it, it, when you're, uh, you've drawn your whole power deck, mm-hmm. I have a card called uh skulls for the skull throne where if, um, I believe if a model dies, you uh, draw two power cards. Um, a, a lot of these things, uh, to be honest, I think, um, they really feel like shoes that don't quite fit. There's, just, there's just missing either a couple universals to really make it effective. Uh, they're missing just a, uh, maybe one faction card to really dial it up a bit. Um, these things are are cute, I guess, as I would call them now, but um, they're not. Uh, I don't think they're necessarily very strong. Although certainly ways, different ways you can you can play them. Of all those, I guess builds, I guess I would probably go more the the, the ping aggro, I guess ploy build, where um, you stack up stuff like collapse Encroaching shadow pit trap um those kinds of cards in order just to get as many you know try to put as much damage on opposing models as possible to get to your Inspire condition score glory and um and and remove models from the table so that's and that of course that build would involve stuff like uh, as i mentioned uh, the pit trap the collapses encroaching shadows um i think you want the the movement which is probably um something you want in most of these decks, given if you switch, you taken gathered momentum and cover ground in spectral wings, perhaps cheap in tracking. Um, and yeah, of course uh, for accuracy, stuff like Haymaker is good because uh, they're all in one dodge anyways. Right. So <laughs> it's not right. like you're really searching for that defense die. Right, uh, right. But yeah, I think uh, pretty standard aggro stuff uh, right now. Although um, as I mentioned with this warband, it's, it's really good to keep an eye on universals that come out if there are universals that come out um, that really give you benefits uh, for uh, any model of being taken out of action, uh, if there are uh, universals that come out that um, that help you, um, you know, but uh, help fast, very surgical aggro, uh, I think these are these are cards that could do well with reavers and allow you to build a you know a, a good competitive deck.
0: Right. So I guess TLDR uh, take cards that make the enemy bleed. Very true. <laughs> uh, and then upgrades, right? So I guess it's a reoccurring theme here, but I think it's, um, you know, you got to do our due diligence and just make sure that um, we cover these upgrades as well. So um, aside from accuracy, uh, speed, and damage, are there any other universal style upgrades? They don't necessarily have to be an example, but potentially maybe, like, do you want to take defense cards? Or you mentioned that Haymaker thing, interaction, um, are there builds where you think you might take Spectral Armor or maybe even a reroll for your defense or, um, or, or you know, some other things along those lines? Uh,
1: good question. Um, others may disagree with me. You know, for me, I think going in a certain route, for example, let's say going more defensive with a reverse. Um, it's not a, a, an obvious fit, perhaps, um, but you can do it. I think right now you can maybe get, you know... Um, uh, take sudden growth and great fortitude with them, uh, things like that. You make a couple of these guys, you know, pretty hard to kill. Uh, I, I think you can do that. In that case, you definitely take Insensate. Um, you may take Spectral Armor. Um, you may take Survival Instincts. I think they're, for me, um, if you're going to try to modulate your uh, your deck in that fashion, the way I like to think about it is kind of like each additional card in along those lines kind of increases the effectiveness of that strategy like exponentially right like having just having um great fortitude in the deck is is not as much of a big deal as having great fortitude sudden growth insensate. that can make if, if you have one or two of those cards in the same in your hand and one fades that can make it very difficult to kill the enemy fight uh, one of your fighters right. for the enemy so um, I think if you are going to build that way, just make sure you stack a couple of those cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you could do that. Um, you know, for me, I think I, I probably take a mix um, uh, of accuracy damage, of course. I like Prize Vendetta with um, Branching Fate because uh, it allows you to let you, you rerolls, which is nice uh, when you're trying to score that surge. Um, I, like, I like some of the range 2 um, uh, uh, weapon upgrades, uh, particularly right now the Amberbone Spear I think is great. Uh, it's a uh, uh, two smash, two damage, range two. If you kill a model with it, you get an extra glory. Um, it doesn't synergize with stuff like sing, Sting of the air Grub, but it will with great strength. It will with Glory Seeker. Um, I think it's um, it allows you that extra range, which is nice. It help, it could help you score a potential keep chopping by allowing a model to attack someone and, and not have to move and charge next turn. Um, of the range two, uh, um, weapon upgrades, I prefer it uh, over Larval Lance, um, especially because of the extra glory you can get. Uh, but um, but yeah, stuff like that I'll probably include one or two weapons in, in a build right now. And I think given the fact, given kind of where all the restricted sit, you can probably fit Tome of Offerings in the Reavers deck, and I think that's good for the extra glory too.
0: Right on, right on. Uh, okay, so um, I guess moving into uh, some of the matchups that you know we tend to see. Um, as a reverse player um, and, and potentially even as someone who's playing a lightly armored aggro warband, um, what are some of the preferred matchups? Now this can be general or you can be a little bit more specific as well. Uh, but what do these guys like to see when they're, when you're setting up across the table?
1: You know, it, Amon, it really, de- it really depends, I think on your understanding of the meta going into an event. Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think, for example, if you build these guys, let's say you're going into an objective heavy meta, I think you can build them very aggro, where they strike really hard, really fast and really accurately and they mm-hmm. do it you know, three or four times a phase and that can put a ton of pressure, especially with four move on any objective warband. If they take three objectives, and you can wideboard them. Um, however, I think that build would probably do relatively poorly into an aggro warband let's say like a magor's fiends that was also trying to do the same thing right uh, so uh, i think it, for them they're the nice thing about them is they can be played multiple ways all with this all with uh, of course a, an aggro flare but either as i mentioned more full on aggro especially against objective warbands or a little more denial where they use that range to as a buffer versus an opposing aggro warband and control that distance to deny glory mm-hmm. Um, so in short i think it just depends on the meta i think if a preferred matchup for them really depends on how you build them and what you expect to face uh right now um the meta really i think it's there's there's a lot of the there's a lot of uh, objective play right now still especially with temporary victories still being out um and uh and with the combination of uh supremacy and and all these things uh the spoilers in the name of the king i mean it's 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 pretty incredible how much glory warbands can can score, um, you know, by just by sending on objectives. You probably build very very aggressively uh, right now with a reavers deck. Although, however, I think it's going slightly back to a bit aggro right now, especially with mantrapper and some Nurgle. So uh, I think it's it's hard to it's a it's hard to feel out where the meta right now sits. Um, but uh, whatever your determination is, I think you can build. Um, You can build a deck that can do well into one or the other playstyle. I'm not sure if you can build a good deck that does well into both.
0: Right. Okay. Um, That makes sense. I think you're absolutely correct. You you do have to plan and prepare for an event. Um, I guess if you were to take like an all comers list, um, you're probably relying more on aggro. So I guess you want to see some of those, like what I guess horde warbands maybe that maybe aren't as aggressive as you, but um, and, and potentially can. Uh, be just as easy to hit as you are yourself.
1: Uh, that that's true. That's true. But again, those warbands can score a ton of passive glory if you miss any of those attacks. So right. Um, you know, I, I think in general you're right. Yeah, you know, I think if one dodge warband are nice, especially one dodge warbands with a lot of two wind fighters, mm-hmm. uh, that can that can be nice. But I do wonder the staying power because you may be able to kill one, two, hopefully three models turn one if you're lucky. But then the really good objective war bands these days, can, can they can kind of do both because, you know, the Thorns have the Briar Queen and Varklaw never hanged and Grimwatch have uh, uh, Gristlewell and the Duke. And, I mean, it, they have a lot of good aggro models as well. So right. um, I think you have to be willing to to withstand that turn, too. And that's that's perhaps where a build where you have sudden growth and... Great Fortitude and Sensate um, w- would be useful to perhaps kind of weather that storm of those aggro miles coming at you turn two after you've made your charges turn one and, uh, and weathering that out and, and continue to do some damage. So, um, yeah, I think it can be done. It can be done. It's a l- little difficult, but um, I think um, for me, Reavers perform much better when there's a pretty well-defined meta and it kind of skews in one direction or the other because then they can kind of build for it. I think they have good solutions for for um uh, going into specific archetypes
0: right on um conversely i guess um are there any you know regardless of build are there any warbands where maybe you're playing reavers and you see them and you're like oh man you know like a little like a little inner groan uh when you're looking at a warband across the table because regardless of what style you may be creating you might just be at a natural disadvantage does that exist with the reavers in your opinion and if so um you know, what kind of warbands are there, if you have any particular?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I think um, right now, I mean, Nurgle can be a big pain, uh, as they can be to a lot of aggro warbands, because they can resist a lot of the damage. I think they have, you know, Reavers have a lot of squishy fighters, so I think it's pretty easy for Nurgle to inspire into them. Um, you know, as I mentioned, if you can, you know, miss that early attack mistake, that can be rough. I think uh, Mantrapper can be... Um, can be a little difficult. And while I, I didn't... I've never had a problem taking down Molog with Reavers. Um, the fact uh, of how Mantrapper inspires to two defense dice and two shields when he inspires is is a lot tougher. Um, because typically, in order to kill him early, you're probably going to charge and He's your only model with Cleave. Um, he, if he, he's most likely, unless you're very lucky, going to die early in that effort to kind of get that big damage on Mantrapper. And once he's gone... Uh, it can yeah it's if man trappers on you know, two shields to block uh, it can be difficult to take them down especially once they get those insane upgrades like uh um, i forget what they're called now the one where he's um um no, tough, you and, hi- damage, tough yeah, and hide. Yeah, t- tough and hide, and I think they have a massive bulk. I mean, he has, has yep. so many great tanky upgrades. So once those are on, it can be very, very difficult. So um yeah, I would say that the two most recent releases are, are not great for them. Uh and obviously I think uh um with just the way passive uh objective play is right now you know surge objective play of sitting on objective and scoring a ton of glory, stuff like Grimwatch they score in, you know, eight, 10 glory, uh, in a single phase by sitting on objectives.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that, that can be very difficult for Reavers to, uh, um, uh, to overcome and, and come right. back from, because I, they just don't score that much glory.
0: Sure. should have started this, uh, this mini uh, uh, before the latest release, huh?
1: <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> Put a no, more positive yeah.
0: spin on the, on the fighters. Okay, cool. Cool. So, um, you know, kind of have trouble into, um, Guys who have a lot of defensive upgrades as well as uh, damage reduction. That makes sense, um, especially for a warband that's trying to rip your face off. So, um, I guess moving forward, what are. Is there like a particular board that you prefer? I I know that uh, you're definitely a student of, um, you know, what's the best for the particular situation, but are there certain boards that you find yourself um, reaching for more often than
1: not? Yeah, I've always. uh liked uh, solar factor for them um i think one of the things i've, I've never liked playing against is ranged warbands with with reavers um just because it help it prevents them from being able to really control that distance sometimes uh stuff like forest riders things like that so um and, and obviously um, re- range of models like malog can can be difficult for them so having those block taxes is nice um but um i think it really depends on what you're trying to do obviously if if you're playing into uh, uh, an objective war band and, and you have that very aggro build where you're just going to, you know, charge in and try to eliminate as many miles as possible, then um, I think obviously Molten it right now is, is, is what you're going to go with. So um, I think, it, I think in general they follow similar themes to most aggro war bands these days. Although, uh, like I said, if you're playing that bit of that deny, denial style, um, then you, um, not only is, is the board going to be important, but I think perhaps offsetting the board in placement will be a little bit useful as well. Because if you can starve some of those uh, aggro warbands of that um, of that surge glory of killing models, and getting certain attacks like you know what armor and things like that, I think it can be helpful.
0: Right on. I think I think that makes absolute sense. Uh, deploy aggressively when you need to, and uh, utilize block hexes to your advantage when playing against fighters who potentially may uh, outrange you um so i guess if someone listens to this podcast and they're thinking hey i mean you know kind of sounds like i want to try these guys out they may not necessarily have the best time in the meta right now but you know there are definitely some cool things that um uh, that you can do with them what are maybe your first three things or top three things that you would want a player to keep in mind when trying the warband for the first time or coming back to it after a long time
1: Yeah. Uh, Number one would uh, just be have fun. I mean, man, they they are a lot of fun. I think uh, uh, there are a few warbands in this game where um, I think no no matter if you're playing with them or or against them, um, you just have a fun time. I think Gets are another one um, where fighters are going to die. In some ways, you're rewarded for that happening, even if it's your own. Um, It's an aggressive game with a lot of interaction. And um and they're they're great models. So I think uh, the first thing to remember is just to have fun. Uh, I think that's that's one of the strengths of Reavers, which is not maybe something that um you know we think about often as competitive players, but I think it's is, is is good to remember. Just since you know since we're playing a game and the whole objective is to have fun, really. Uh, I think don't um don't mind when your fighters die. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think you know they're all one dodge. A lot of them are very squishy. I think it's important to have contingencies for when, let's say, Sake dies, because uh, um, you, know, you can't kind of hinge uh, everything on a big attack from Sake. Uh, I think uh, just uh, the way I think about it, especially with Sake, because he's such a target, is um, I almost think that he's, you know, he's dead turn one. I almost, I've already divorced myself from Sake. No attachments. <laughs> um, I've, I've given him his bags. He's walking out the door. You know, give him his train ticket. He's out of here. Uh, and I've I've take it a one way ticket a I take it a lot less seriously when he's dead uh, because he, you know his his goal really is to just do a lot of damage early in my opinion and then um and then be a big target for for um for the opposing warband so are there other ways to play him I'm sure we can ha- have him hang back and wait till he inspires and in attack but um, just the way I play him I think uh um I've had I've had success doing it that way so yeah just don't be concerned when your fighters die. And uh, I think that's that's a, an important lesson when working with Reavers. And then um, take advantage of their strengths, which is uh, range and, uh, um, and damage. I think they have a lot of great damage early on. Uh, they have a lot of good movement. So just take cards, design strategy that takes advantage of that, and I think you'll do well.
0: Awesome. Well, hot take here, guys. Remember to uh, have fun. Uh, don't mind if they die because at the end of the day they worship A god who doesn't care who dies as long as people die. And lastly, um, take advantage of, of course, their speed, range, and ability to do insane amount of damage early on. Um, So I guess lastly, um, in regards to Warband-specific questions, um, and and this might be – you can go lengthy with this or you can keep it short and sweet, up to you really. But I guess the the question I have is in the current meta, and you've been alluding to the current meta throughout, I think, this conversation – how would you play them? Knowing that Nurgle, Hrothgorn, Grimwatch, and Thorns are rampant right now, if you wanted to take a Reaver's deck and you wanted to go to your local event and win some glass, what build are you taking um, and why?
1: Yeah, I- I'm a little more uh, risk-averse, uh, so I probably won't do something like take Let the Blood Flow, although I certainly understand why some players would take that. I think I'll, um, uh, of course, take the uh, auto-includes, like Corn not, It Begins, I'll probably take um, stuff like gap Momentum and Cover Ground in addition to the um, movement cards I need to score those, such as Spectral Wings probably tracking. Um, I'll probably take more of a ping damage build um, with, uh, you know, Shadow and Collapse. Uh, If you think about it, um, uh, you know, if you look at where models can line up, I mean, obviously not every model is going to be an Edge Hex, but... Most models are going to be close enough to within one hex of an edge hex. Where if you push them into it, you can you can kill them with almost like a pseudo pit trap with collapse or encroaching shadows. So have those is nice. I'll probably also take pit trap, and I probably would take um, a few uh, um, uh, in addition to all the typical aggro um, upgrades. I'd probably take amber bone spear and also um, something like uh, sudden growth and, and great fortitude, just so I can. Uh, whether through one or two attacks from an important model, and uh, and keep swinging away.
0: And you, and would you take Intensate? I would, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Well, um, you heard it from the from Lord Corn himself, guys. If you're wanting to run Reavers in the current meta, that's probably your best bet. Um, Jimmy, now I, I kind of want to move into our last segment of the show. Uh, and it, it might be the most fun, but we're gonna call it the Rapid Fire Round. I think Jonathan and I both love the Thundrix Profiteers. And one of our favorite fighters, um, and favorite fighter-specific upgrade cards, is um, uh, rapid rapid reload, right? So um, rapid fire round coming up, and I guess we'll go ahead and get started with our first question, uh, which is, who is your favorite fighter in the game?
1: Oh, favorite fighter in the game. Um...
0: You got to be rapid.
1: Man, all right. You got me thinking about him, so it's got to be my, my OG, Cars is the Chained.
0: There we go. Okay, okay. Um, favorite war band to play? And what does that say about you as a person?
1: <laughs> oh, wow, it's getting, getting deep here. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on the shrink couch right now. Um, uh, next, we'll talk about my daddy issues. I'll uh, I'll probably take Gitz. Gitz? Gitz are probably my favorite right now.
0: And, and what does that say about you as a
1: person? no my god that I, I have problems
0: <laughs> you just like chaos um yes. so if you could bring back any card from season one back to championship format what would it be
1: from season one um shade spire oh, universals man. uh probably shard gale just because i just oh. love the look in everybody's face when that card is played
0: <laughs> oh dude it's the best uh, yeah it was a staple for me for a little bit uh Okay, so you like things bloody. Is there a model you love painting or can't wait to paint?
1: I, I've always um, had a soft spot for painting armor and doing non-metallic metal, especially in the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I've, I have I loved painting uh, the Steel Arts Champions. Um, uh, I won glass with them a long time ago, uh, back when they were still, like I guess, somewhat good. Yeah, um, And I've, I've kind of shelved them since then. Um, but I've I've loved painting those models and uh, had a complete blast. They're, they're, they're so uh, so well designed. Uh, Oberon's beast um, with that huge hammer and, uh, and you know Steelheart looks pretty imposing with that um, uh, with that sword of his. So you know I, I just love the design of that warband and had a great time painting them.
0: Yeah, I would almost say looking at both of them, I've seen them both. That the Cursebreakers are almost their like spiritual successor because they're both painted in that non-metallic gold and red, which is actually one of my favorite color combos uh, in general um but yeah. y- y- i think you nailed that so yeah thank um, you very very beautiful models uh if you ever meet jimmy in person check out his stuff um okay another question what is the least favorite fighter in the game for any reason really but to you
1: least favorite fighter in the game oh uh,
0: could be for any reason looks abilities yeah, usefulness whatever yeah i mean or overpowered even.
1: Yeah, no, it, it, it's got to be Varclaw. That push is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a close number two would uh, would be Grisawell because uh, it, it does. There's something about that model in particular. No matter who's playing, uh, who's playing with the model, either it's you or your opponent, but uh, he always seems to roll too many crits on, on two swords. It, does, it defies logic.
0: It does. And you know what's crazy is he doesn't even look like his hammer should hit at three damage. It's not even that big.
1: Well, it's supposed um, to be a or sword, his, right? Is there, it's, oh, yeah, uh, he
0: imagines yeah. it's a sword. But, I mean, it's yeah. just a bone. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how he snaps someone with a bone, but he figures it out. He does. Okay, so um, this might uh, – we'll give you like an extra five seconds on this question. Um, what warband would you like to see in the future? It can be mechanic, faction style, model count. What is something that you can't wait to see one day in the Underworlds?
1: Lizardmen. I mean, is there any other answer? It's got to be true. a Lizardmen, right? That's you true. Mean, yeah, dinosaurs riding on dinosaurs, baby.
0: That is that's facts, man. I mean, I would love to see like a. I don't even know if it's possible, but if you could get like, I don't know, just I, I just want to see a croxagore, like a new model maybe or something like that. I, I just I play Warhammer uh, Total War on the computer, oh, and yeah. I, there's a croxigor leader. They look like giant crocodiles. It's like the white guy, the albino one. That's right. Dude, yeah, he is a beast man and just them tearing through models i would love i, I agree with your answer i think that's did, a, that's a good
1: one they really need a revamp of uh of croxagoras and also uh Saurus warriors i think and oh, if yeah. they if they did that i mean take all my money And I, w- I would wouldn't even play as sigmar i'd still buy them
0: yeah no i definitely agree i i just bought the new seraphon uh uh army book and uh i was like man the, the cover art looks so cool and then you go to like the model section and it's like these dudes like I don't know why their elbows are so close to their stomach. Anyway, so we digress. Um, next question. If you could change one thing about a current warband or a card, so which warband it w- would it be? And what would you change? It could be a, like a fighter stat, a card, whatever.
1: Oh, wow. Um, uh, it, would, it would probably be a, um, a change to Varklaw. And again, not because um, I, think, I think thorns are extremely strong. Uh, I, I just think uh, that that push is so clearly the best action in the game. Um, I think if maybe he pushed just two guys or um, I don't know if or if he maybe got like a charge token after it. I, I don't know. There are a lot of ways to do it. Smarter people than me will probably think of a um, a, a better way uh, to balance them out. But just some change to that VAR claw ability, it'll still be really good no matter what they do. It, it'll still be it'll still be very good. But um, uh, just a change to that that action.
0: Okay, okay. And um, if you could pick one event in a year to go to, which event would that be for Warhammer Underworlds?
1: Oh man, um, I think it would. Um, so number one would be would be Novi. It's, it's always a great event. Uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that go there. It's just it's a lot of fun, and I think the the social element of it to me is great because everyone after the games are over. Um, you know we all hang out till way too late in in the evening and and then get up next morning to play games which is a ton of fun mm-hmm. uh, very 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 close second was the um any grand clash at Warhammer World in Nottingham because that that first of all it's in Warhammer World which is a great venue highly encourage anyone to go um the the folks on the Warhammer team there like Nick Baden and the rest are are great hosts um it was a great well run event Bugman's pub is right next door um to so folks that love drinking like me and I'm sure many of us you know it's a you just walk right you know right down the hall and and grab a cold one um and just the environment there with having so many players from so many different meadows across uh the uk and europe w- was was a blast so I, I hope to have an opportunity to go back sometime because that that was a ton of fun yeah
0: i'll echo that i i had the pleasure and the uh, the opportunity to do that i went to warhammer fest um but I did stop by uh, the Mecca of Warhammer, Warhammer World itself, and uh, uh, I highly recommend it, too. It's a, it's a beautiful venue. Uh, truly, you can see the passion and everything in that building. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, and the people yeah. there are great. And you can actually, like, I was, like, walking down, like, you know, I was in Bugmans, and, like, I saw Jeff Goodwin walking by, and I was like, oh, my God, it's Jeff Goodwin. You know, so um, it's really cool, too, if you ever have any idols or people that you, um, uh, you admire their work, then uh, you can maybe grab a pint with them one day.
1: Oh, oh, totally. And and if you don't mind, I'll actually add to that. So when I was at the uh, Bugman Skirmish, I actually got a chance to play against the uh, the one and only Phil Kelly, who was an uh, amazing guy. So so great to meet him. Uh, awesome to play against him. And uh, and yeah, I I remember, think man when I was a teenager, open up uh, a Warhammer 40k book and seeing a dude's picture in there because he was involved with you know designing the um I think it was it was Space Marines or Eldar I forget. Eldar. But, I think it was
0: both, but Eldar for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, and just you know, the guy's been a legend in you know Games Workshop circles for um you know for the longest time, and and couldn't have been a nicer guy to meet in person. So glad that he enjoys playing Underworlds, and you know, hope to meet uh, play him again in the future.
0: Yeah, shout out to Phil Kelly. Uh, he, he actually made it to a final. Uh, the Michael Carlin, uh, where the one Michael Carlin won. So
1: that's right. No, uh, he's he's a great player. So
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, really nice guy too. Um, cool. Well, um, I think that concludes Jimmy. I think, um. You know, we're not going to give you your score right now, but I think, uh, you know, Jonathan and I, we have plans on awarding the best uh, r- r- rapid fire round uh, question answerer I guess. <laughs> so um, looking forward to seeing how you stack up to uh, your, I guess, uh, the people who will come after you in the in the episodes. But I think you've set the bar at a pretty uh, at a pretty high level. So Man,
1: you guys are so competitive. You're ranking this, too. Oh, my goodness.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we got to make it fun. Uh, give people something to fight for. So, uh, um, we'll have a good time and it's all on good uh, show. So
1: of course, of course. (laughs) Um,
0: well, Jimmy, um, you know, so I, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on this episode. Um, you know, we were, Jonathan and I, when we were coming up the list, like we didn't even like second guess it, you know, someone said Reavers, the other person was Jimmy and then, and that was it. And so, you know, um, we really hope that whoever's listening, um, and, and, you know, if you ever want to try Reavers, um, this, this guy right here that you know I'm talking to, he, he kind of put them on the map. And when people thought that they were down and out, he went and won a grand clash. So um, you're, de- you're definitely getting it from the best guys. And I'm not here to toot your horn, Jimmy, but it's just, you know, can't argue with facts, right? No, so really, I'm, I'm
1: very flattered. Thank you for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Um, is there anything that you want to say, uh, a quick plug or a shout out, or um, if maybe someone wants to reach you and talk to you about uh, Underworlds or Reavers, like how can they best contact you?
1: Sure. Yeah. Probably the best way is through discord. Um, my discord, uh, I guess, what's it called a handle? What's it called? Um, the, I
0: guess, I guess your tag,
1: your at my, my tag. Yeah. My at it's a uh, Jimmy, but with three Ms, J I M M M Y, uh, pound five, zero one nine in discord. So yeah, just, uh, just uh, shoot me a message and I'm um, yeah, happy to talk.
0: Awesome. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much um and i guess that about does it for uh this episode um if you have any feedback question or comments let us know on facebook at path to glory podcast you can also follow us on podbean where you can find the show notes for this episode uh please rate us on itunes we're on spotify as well and we're also on twitter so follow us at path to glory podcast um if you missed jonathan and you missed his lovely voice don't worry he's going to be on the next episode He will be covering Steelheart's champions and the person that he will be discussing them with. Um, I can't reveal who they are at this time, but uh, let's just say they have an accent. And I'm a big fan of this particular accent. Um, So thank you so much for listening. And as always, we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory.
1: Corn cares not.